Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast, where we want to know God, love people, and reach our world. We're in a question and answer series, and the Grace Life pastoral team is answering questions you asked about God, the Bible, relationships, and everything in between. We gathered all the questions entered from our gracelife.church app and gracelife.church online form, and we had so many questions we couldn't answer them all. But we just want to say thank you to everyone who reached out with a question for us. This week, we have Jimmy Currents, our lead pastor, Kent Fancher, our Northeast Campus pastor, and Patrice Lamb, our women and family pastor at Grace Life Church, answering live from a weekend service at Grace Life. Let's get into this week's session of Q&A. Hey, we are in week two of our Q&A series, one more week to go next week. If you're a guest and you're saying, whoa, this is strange, uh, well, every now and then, I think about every other year or something, we end up doing one of these series where we answer the questions you are asking about the Bible, about God, about life, about things going on in our culture, and that's, that's where we are today. So if you missed last week, it is online, uh, and uh, in just a minute, we're going to jump into this week's questions, but before we do, Kent is going to explain to you the announcement you just watched about the right now media thing yes if you were listening you heard right it's a it's free grace life is giving it to you it's an incredible resource all you have to do is respond to the email you will receive from from right now media just uh, give yourself a username and a password won't cost you a dime but it is amazing the things on there thousands of resources available to you so there you go be blessed you're funny, man. Yeah. All right, so hey, listen, I want to go ahead and put up a slide. Uh, this is a series we did about a year or two, actually, I guess about two years ago. Um, it's called Destination Unknown. It's on heaven and hell. Uh, and so we took a couple of weeks to talk about what the Bible says about heaven, what the Bible says about hell, and then we did a Q&A week just on heaven and hell. Uh, the reason we're showing you that is because we answered a few questions last week about heaven, uh, and the reality is probably half or very close to half of the questions we're getting are about heaven or hell. And so instead of uh, repeating that whole series, which we clearly can't do in three weeks, because I think it's at least four weeks long, uh, we're just going to recommend that to you. So for those of you that are asking all the questions about heaven and hell, the ones we did not answer last week, I want to encourage you to go watch this series. It's online or on our app. You'll find it there. All right. Before we jump in today, um, there are a lot of controversial questions out there in the world today, aren't there? Yes. And uh, we're going to tackle a lot of them today. I'm going to go ahead and tell you that up front. Uh, you know, we did a series just a few weeks back called Because of Jesus, and we talked about all of the things that should be different in our world or our lives because of Jesus. One of the things that we talked about was how Jesus came to speak grace and truth. And because of Jesus, we bring grace and truth. And so I want, as we uh, touch on some of these very sensitive topics today, I, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to give you an open heart. You see, truth is offensive to a hard heart, but truth can speak to a soft heart. And uh, we're going to do our best to bring the grace side of it. Uh, I ask you to pray for us as we do this because... We do have a lot of sensitive topics today. Uh, somebody uh, in the rehearsal heard the first question, and they said, wow. Um, but the truth is, that's the easiest one we're going to do today. So it's, it's going to be fun here. And uh, anyway, so with that being said, uh, we're just going to jump right in and, uh, and, and just see where we land. How about that? So first question we've got is, it has been noticed. <laughs> 
that women rarely lead on Sundays except for the Q&A. Is there a reason for this? Yes, because Patrice has stage fright. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, so, like I said, this is the easy question of the day. Uh, tradition says this is a man's world and the women should just hang out beside them, right, for centuries. Um, current culture says uh, that men and women are exactly the same and, and God has not distinguished any roles or authority differences between them and, and uh, whatever is, is whatever should be and, and we should all just kind of roll with the punches there, right? Uh, the issue for us is that tradition nor current con- con- culture should be our guide. Our guide should be Scripture. And so the, the issue that we get into is where do churches stand on the role of women? Ultimately, what we're asking about is what is their role and their authority when the church gathers? That's really the question that we're getting into. And there are two theological positions. There's only two. That's the good news. You know how life is complicated sometimes? This one's 50-50 right down the middle. And so if you ever go to a church, you can ask the pastor these two words and you can find out up front exactly where they stand. The two theological positions on the role and authority of women today uh, is either egalitarian or complementarian. Egalitarian theology says that God did not establish roles or authority that are different for one or the other, that we're all the same, we just have a slight biological modification, and outside of that, let's just go with it. The complementarian viewpoint says that men and women do complement one another that God made them with specific gifting, specific roles, and specific authority. Uh, just to be upfront with you, Grace Life Church does hold to the complementarian point of view. And it comes out of a, a couple of different scriptures. Um, I, I'm just going to refer to one of them. It's 1 Corinthians 11. It says, I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, the head of every wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. Clearly establishing that God has created roles and God has given certain authority to people and in that lane is where their authority exists. And so uh, with that being said, we are also at the same time, uh, we couldn't have asked this question at a better time because at our elder meeting this last week, we actually were discussing the topic and, and we're ready to publicly acknowledge that Grace Life has been slow at moving towards what God has allowed women to do. Is that Amen from any ladies in the room. That was weak and slow, but that's okay. We were slow. You can be slow to amen. Uh, And, you know, it really does come down to we want to be biblically accurate. But at the same time, we have just allowed tradition to probably establish that a little more than others. And so what you will begin to see is females taking maybe a, a greater role, not maybe, but taking a greater role on stage in some things. Um, one of the reasons that uh, you don't see women preaching is because that's just my primary job description. It's what I love to do. It's what I'm called to do. And, and it just happens to be my job, if that makes any sense. By the same token that you don't see me leading worship because that's not my job, even though I've got a music degree and could, could do it. I could, I could do that, but I don't because that's not my role here at the moment. So one of the things we were discussing this week is whether uh, communion should be allowed, uh, women should be allowed to speak over communion. And uh, I don't know why that should be such a slow topic. Again, forgive us, but w- w- we've gotten there where we realize there are two sacraments, baptism and communion, and there's nothing in Scripture that says that women can't uh, lead either of those. And if you were here just a couple of weeks ago, you saw uh, Laura, one of our youth uh, co-directors, baptizing many of the people that she had the largest role in their lives. And we think that's great because Scripture doesn't say who should do 
the baptism. No, no way does it say that you have to be an ordained pastor to do that. I remember when I was like 19 years old and I'd uh, really kind of been mentoring this, this young kid. I was like the uh, junior assistant to the volunteer assistant youth pastor, and that's really not that much of a joke. It was, it was really that far down the line, but there was this one kid that I'd really started to spend time with, and he wanted to get baptized, and as we go to the river, yep, that's where we did it, to do the baptism, the pastor said, Jimmy, go do it, and I thought, what? You mean I can baptize? Yeah, you can help someone lean back and get wet. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, because it's really all about what they're doing with Jesus. And so the same thing with communion. There's no reason that a woman shouldn't be able to present um, over communion. So being a, a woman on staff here at Grace Life, what do you want to say about this? Yeah, I was going to say as much as, you know, possibly having a woman on stage, Grace Life maybe has been slow following tradition, which is fine. I mean, I have spoken on stage before, so yes, and it was quite terrifying, but I did it. You did. So, <laughs> it wasn't um, terrifying for them, though, just so you know. They just, applauded. Okay, it was great. That, was, that was great. But something that I do want to recognize where I feel Grace Life has not been slow is we have a lot of women in leadership. Um, we, behind the scenes, not on a Sunday morning necessarily. Well, sometimes on a Sunday morning on stage, we have worship leaders that are leading different songs um, that are females. But also behind the, you know, behind the scenes, every day of the week, we have, I mean, myself, I'm on staff. We have Laura Troutman, who is like Jimmy said, a co-leader for our youth. We have Suzanne, who is our creative director, but if you know Suzanne, she's so much more than that, carries a very um, large spiritual mantle with her as well. So all three of us are 100% completely involved in the intricacies of what takes place um, at Grace Life. I mean, we have a say-so. Jimmy has never said, well, you know, you're a woman, so I just need you to be quiet during this discussion. Absolutely not. None of never. <laughs> Don't miss the never was the never. word she put in there. <laughs> never. People so we, overlook one little word sometimes. <laughs> right. So we have never had that experience here. And we have every opportunity to speak out what we feel God's saying. We speak out what the Holy Spirit is saying. Give our um, voice to many, many, many discussions that Jimmy will then take to elders if they have to make a major decision. So I just wanted to um, definitely back up. So maybe not on stage, but... Women are absolutely, I mean, we have life group leaders, we have serve team leaders, we have so many very strong, powerful women in this house that it does not go unnoticed, and we are not silenced or shut down in that right. area. Right. And uh, Patrice is an ordained pastor as well. Right. So what does complementarian theology ultimately mean, uh, and especially for us? What it means is that a male figure is the highest authority. So what that means is that the senior pastor will always be a man. Uh, that is what we, we hold to. That means the elders will be uh, males, and outside of that, women can hold uh, any other role. So that is where we stand. I hope that answers that. So as long as you don't uh, want to like run over me in the parking lot and take my job, um, things are going to go on, and we're going to continue helping women uh, do what God has called them to do. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are his workmanship created for good works. And that is not just spoken of men, that is spoken of all of his creation. And so we're going to continue to grow in that area um, without following just culture, but maintaining scripture as well. And uh, I hope that's, uh, that's good for everybody. Yeah? No? All right. Hey, do y'all like the fact that we, we heard from you guys last week who said, I, I don't like looking at the back of their heads the whole time. So there you go. Look at that. And uh, yeah, anyway. All right. Hey, more fun. When a sperm fertilizes an egg, making an embryo in a Petri dish. I told you, it's going to get the deep end of the pool today. 
uh, and the embryos are not implanted but instead are thrown out, is that the same as an abortion? And if that is acceptable, then why isn't an abortion? That is a huge question, very, very relevant in our world today. Um, I know my sister had to, to get pregnant through in vitro fertilization. This was a question she struggled with. And so you are, uh, not only we call you Mama Lamb half the time around here, but you also almost wanted to be a doula at one point. So you're probably the expert on stage at the moment. What do you think about this? Right. Well, I, well, I will say that I'm completely not an expert, just to refute that a little bit, because I really did, you know, um, just really prayed a lot about this question, researched a lot, went, you know, read through so much scripture, because I wanted that definitive answer of what God said. But of course, in the Bible, there's nothing about Petri dishes. There's nothing about, you know, you know, the actual, the sperm and the egg and all that stuff. But what you do find, as, as I was researching, is that life begins in the womb or at conception which could take place in a petri dish once those eggs begin once that egg begins to divide life has started without life there would be no division of those cells um, and as soon as we step in and stop the division of those cells life ends so where the question where the question says um you put the question back up? Yeah, there you thank go. Thank you. Where the question says, um, and if this is acceptable, then why is an abortion? I would say, honestly, that neither, to use the words of the question, neither are acceptable to end life. Now, I do know, like Jimmy said, we probably all know people who have gone through IVF. Um, I was just speaking to someone this morning, someone who has gone, it, who is in our church, somebody that I would love to refer anybody to if they're really kind of struggling with that question okay, I've had IVF, or um, I'm going through IVF right now, and we do have fertilized eggs, what are we doing with those? And I think it's just a, you know, it's, we've talked a lot about truth this morning. Kent was really great, even in communion, just, just, you know, saying truth. Truth is, when we stop the division of those cells, we personally stop the division of those cells, life ends. So, but I believe Kent's going to help us just kind of walk through some grace in that. Yeah, so um, not just with this issue, but many issues in our life, we find ourselves where we realize that we've thought wrong or that we, we change our mind. We, God shows us that we've done something that is not necessarily the right thing to do, but God's grace is amazing. That's Amen? Right. He comes to us, whatever it is, and he, and he speaks to our hearts, and we, all we have to do is say, God, forgive me. In 1 John, it says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, even the stuff we don't know about yet. You hear that? Yeah. There is amazing grace for us. God's offered it to us in this situation and, and, and many others like that. So just, let's just grab a hold of the grace of God in this and, and in our lives. And keep coming back to him because we're, we're going to make mistakes, every one of us. And we're going to keep coming back and saying, God, I didn't do that right. Or I screwed that up or whatever. Forgive me. And he yeah. does. Yeah. The cross is powerful. Yeah. So uh, to sum that up and be clear, Scripture in multiple places talks about God forming us in the womb, knowing who we are, and even knowing our calling and our impact upon other people's destinies when we are in the womb. So 
the standard Christian position, my position, is that life begins at conception, and in any circumstance to stop that uh, is an abortion, and that's something we'd want to avoid. But um, there's no one in the room that's not going to have a regret at some point as you encounter truth. So I really want to to highlight what Kent just said, remind you, we have prayer teams here at the end of every service that sometimes go a little unused. Uh, maybe people think, well, I don't have the flu, I don't need the prayer team. But uh, the primary purpose of the prayer teams at the end of the service is, is not just for your physical sickness, it is to respond to something that's spoken. So if today anything that we touch on uh, is something you'd love for someone to pray and uh, see God bring grace into your life, something that you you feel like you've, you've had a past that uh, hasn't lined up with God's word, then just remind you that that's there. So, All right, so the next five or six questions uh, represent probably 30 or 40 questions that we got. Um, and uh, I just want to go ahead and tell you as we begin these five or six questions, please stick around for the total answer. Um, uh, this is the most controversial topic probably in our culture today, so you can already guess where we're about to go. And I, I just want to ask you to make sure you hear the whole message. Don't, don't leave it with part of the message um, because, well, then you, you might get truth and not grace or vice versa. So um, actually, I'm skipping a question because I didn't realize I was one ahead, but that's okay. You guys will roll with us. So the question is, what is God's view on homosexual relations? And again, we've got five or six questions in a row about this. Um, and uh, I just want to commend whoever asked this particular question that you asked the right question. Um, one of the biggest mistakes that we make in our world today is to try to be in line with our world. Uh, none of us like being the weird Christians. None of us like being the people who uh, stick out like a sore thumb or are offensive to people. And so it's easier for us to just say, hey, whatever, Jesus loves everybody and it's good. So I just want to commend this person who says, you know, we've got to start with God. We've got to ask what God's view is. And so again, uh, with as much grace and truth as possible, I'm only going to read one passage because there are uh, many and we don't need to address all of them. So I'm only going to address one of them. And it comes out of 1 Corinthians 6. It says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? And then he goes on to explain what he means by that. Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So if we back up and understand a few key words here at the very beginning of that, he says that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. And when he uses that word, what he's referring to are people who look like the non-believers of the world. Um, some passages, uh, some versions use the word wrongdoers there. Because we know that we're all made righteous by the blood of Jesus. So it's very easy to say, oh, well, if Jesus died for me, then I could ignore every issue here. But look at what he said at the very end. He lists the people that we will not see in the kingdom of God. And at the end, he says, but were some of you. And then you changed. And you were washed by the blood of Jesus and you became more like Jesus over time. And so... Um, the one thing I want to point out as we go further into this topic here and answer these questions is, is primarily the problem in the Christian church today, and, and again, don't everybody make a mass exodus as I say this, but uh, we think that one 
of those sins is worse than the rest. And that's not the way the Bible reads. The way the Bible reads is that all of those issues. So a reviler, if you want to put that passage back up where people can look at it, a reviler is someone who slanders. And uh, well, I've looked at Facebook lately. There's, there's a good bit of slander going on out there. And we, we love it because it's, it's somewhat meaningless to put it on social media, say what we think of somebody, even if it's not true or accurate or kind. Um, sexually immoral, it's, it's interesting that we, uh, I mean, waiting until marriage to have sex is, you're weird in our culture today. And yet that is in the same passage. And so teenagers who are uh, seeing how far they can go without crossing the line and the line moves every time you get together, um, that's in this passage, sexually immoral. Uh, for people who have committed adultery, that would be sexually immoral. Idolaters, uh, that that's pretty much every one of us. I think every one of us worships something at some point more than God. We allow something to get into our heart. It might be money. It might be our favorite team. It might be some. I mean, when your team loses and for 48 hours your emotions are gone, that's, that's a problem. I'm just going to be honest with you. And I struggle with that problem. I'm a pretty huge Duke fan when it comes to basketball. And, uh, you know, that weekend in April can be tough for me to come in and preach the next morning sometimes. And, and I have to remind myself, like, Jesus is still on the throne. That, that's, I mean, seriously, but that's idolatry. That's what that is. Um, and I do want to clarify, you know, as we get into these other things here, this particular passage, the, the Greek words being used for homosexuality do refer specifically to males. That's in this passage. So I thought about reading multiple passages just to make sure women understand that Female homosexuality is also wrong in the eyes of Scripture, but I'm not going to read all of those. If you'd like to, you can Google search it or you can ask me and I'll point them out. I'll just point out Romans chapter 1. If anybody wants to go and look, you can go there. I'm not going to read them all, even though this passage only specifically addresses the males. But how about the greedy? You know, God is very clear. He says, honor me with the first of all that you have. And so one of the things that blows my mind is that about two uh, out of every 10 people give God the first 10% of their income, but about nine out of every 10 people in a church room would point fingers at someone who is homosexual. And, and well, that's just not right. Because for those of us that think it's okay to love money and not honor God, and we think that that's not a problem, and only homosexuals have a problem before God, uh, we're, we're, we're on, in dangerous territory. So that is my answer to what God thinks. What God thinks is homosexuality is not a part of his original design for humanity. That's what God thinks. But there are a lot of things that are not a part of God's original design for humanity that many of us tolerate and then look down upon one. So we've talked about this before at Grace Life, and I've, I've just made it very clear. We're not going to elevate one sin above another. But God's position is that this is not his original design. It does fall into the category of sin. So that leads to several follow-up questions. Uh, the next one comes out of our, our vision statement. Know God, love people, and reach the world. So someone just simply says, love people. Okay, so where do the pastoral leaders stand in acceptance of the LGBT community? Um, I would say uh, I, am, I embrace in every way. I've got many friends who are homosexual. I had homosexual roommates in college, actually, uh, and was aware of it, of it at the time. But 
that for me was, was not an issue. I had a girlfriend and they had their relationships. And so um, I'm friends with many. I've taught uh, with many and, and we still talk today. Uh, I know all three of us have someone in our lives that we see very regularly um, uh, that is homosexual. And, and uh, so either of you want to jump in and speak, speak to we that? We have people in our family that are homosexual. We love them just like anybody else in our family. Yeah, and I think just like you explained, not elevating one sin above the other, we wouldn't look down our nose at any, you know, anybody struggling because, you know, we're all struggling, you know, with something. So we would never, we would never, it, you know, ask, what do we, what is our, you know, how do we feel about them? We don't, we don't feel any different about somebody coming through our door that, would, that struggles from that particular, you know, place in their life than we would with somebody who is struggling with not really tithing, you know, we see them all the same just to you know back that up which leads to the next question because it's kind of the same what is the position belief of grace life church about homosexuality do you approve or disapprove of same-sex marriage and what about lgbt serving in a church such as preaching our position is pretty much what i've already addressed which is first corinthians 6 9 it is a sin before god but so are many and uh, i just want to remind us of the story with jesus and the woman and everybody was about to stone her for adultery. And uh, Jesus said, hey, uh, before y'all pick up those rocks, uh, just make sure the one of you that's about to throw a stone is sinless. And eventually everyone turned, and it was just Jesus and the woman. And now this is the part that our culture today would like to leave out. They like the first half of the story. Christians don't like the first half of the story, so I'm going to encourage all of us to embrace the first half of the story. And then the second half, Jesus did turn to her and say, Sin no more. And so, as Paul was mentioning in 1 Corinthians 6, some of us uh, have a past. Some of us have uh, attraction. Some of us have tendencies. Some of us have desires. And Paul says, such were some of you, but after following Jesus, that changes. And so, if we had a desire to slander, that changes. If we had a desire to steal, that changes. If wh whatever those desires were, according to 1 Corinthians 6. So that's pretty much the position of Grace Life Church, is we're not going to elevate one sin above another. With that being said, whatever sin someone is dealing with may prevent particular ministry roles. Does that make sense? Um, if someone came to me and said, I still, I don't know why, I just really like to take stuff and see if I can get away with it, and money especially, we are not going to let them be on the bookkeeping staff. <laughs> we are not going to let them count the offering. So please Again, everybody thinks we, we're going to elevate one sin. We're not. So with that being said, the question here is, um, you know, such as preaching, how could they serve in the church? We've, we've had uh, quite a few people who are homosexual in the church. They know that I know. They've had conversations with me. Um, we both know that what I think is sin, some of them have even agreed it's sin, but it's sin that they, they're willing to, to struggle with. It, it's not something they want to walk away from, in which case I remind them that that is between them and Jesus. And um, that, that can be dangerous territory to know that you're violating Scripture, but we're at least on the same page and we're having an open conversation about it. And so can they serve in the church? In many ways, yes. Would I let them preach? No, I, I wouldn't. And the reason for that is because I also wouldn't let someone who doesn't tithe preach or uh, talk about finances. I wouldn't let someone who is having an affair or struggling with pornography um, preach on uh, certain issues other so again there's a standard 
1 Timothy 3 talks about those who would, would teach the word and those who would be called leaders and elders uh, that would presume that would be above reproach. And so I'm not perfect. I'll tell you I'm not perfect. But there is what I, I jokingly call the curse of being a pastor, and that is whatever you're going to preach on on Sunday, God visits you Monday through Saturday. And there, I just, sometimes I just want to take like a month off so God will leave me alone. But it doesn't matter what I'm preaching on. God wants to make sure that I have gotten on my knees, that I am at least in a place where I can, I can say, follow me, or at least identify with me, uh, with my struggle, repent with me, let's move together forward, if that makes any sense. If there were something that was hidden in my life, it would disqualify me from preaching on that. And so we take very seriously who speaks on this stage. We, we just think that's very, very important. You, you know, I believe I've got an answer to God right now. We're just under a thousand people here at Grace Life. And when I let someone stand on this, this stage and, and speak, I believe I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to justify that and defend that before God. Uh, so I take very seriously who I allow to teach God's word. And when we have someone who is knowingly, intentionally um, living something contrary to God's word in any area, it's going to probably remove their ability to speak here um, on that. So uh, do I approve or disapprove of same-sex marriage? I personally disapprove because it's very clear in Scripture that that's not God's intent. So um, let's keep rolling on because it gets better. Homosexuality. How do we live without judgment but not accept sin? Can we be friends with homosexuals? How do we talk to our teenager about this topic? Why don't one of you jump in here? I think you've pretty much answered um, most of those questions. I mean, how can you be friends with homosexuals? Just the same way you can be <laughs> friends with anybody. I mean, we, you know, it does, um, God's Word does talk about, um, you know, that we should, you know, spur one another on, you know, towards the prize. So we should, if we have friends that are dealing with anything, if we're true friends, we should be able, you know, iron sharpens iron, we should be able to go with them and talk through some of the real heavy, you know, conversations. So just because maybe you have a friend that's a homosexual or you have a friend that's, you know, dealing with lust or you have a friend that whatever it may be that you would, as a friend, you all would have those conversations and spur one another on and, you know, um, encourage one another in those areas. As far as talking to your teenager, I think just as long, you know, in every other area, you've got a, we've got a lot to talk to our teenagers about in this day and age. And I think just coming to them, uh, with them understanding, trying to, you know, help them understand without, you know, judgment. Because our teenagers are seeing a lot in this world. They're seeing a lot more in this world than we saw in the world we were in when we were teenagers. If you have a teenager, you know, you're seeing a lot more in their world than we did in our world. But then our parents could say the same thing. So it's just helping our teenagers walk through just, again, just going to go back to God's truth. Who is God? Who is he in your life? And who does he say he how does he say he wants you to live? And that is in judgment of others. You know, how does he want you to judge others? And just helping them through just that verse that we just talked about, you know, that it's, it's, we're not elevating one sin above the other. Sometimes I think we forget what Jesus said when he told, looked at the disciples and said, it's good that I go away. Because if I don't, the Holy Spirit won't come. But he's here. God, the Holy Spirit, lives in us if we're believers. And he's the spirit of truth. He's the helper. He will help you with any of those kind of discussions that you have with teenagers. 
He'll help you know how to walk through your relationships with people that are struggling with different kinds of sin, including homosexuality. Because he's the helper, and he's the spirit of truth. Amen? I think we should remind ourselves why Jesus made all the religious people mad. It's because he hung out with sinners. And ultimately, this question is, you know, should we hang out with someone that we know is sinning? Well, uh, the truth is, you're, you're, you already are. <laughs> um, at least y'all can have an honest conversation about that, and you can actually show them the love of God. Uh, and, you know, the Bible says it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Um, wagging our fingers and waving our Bibles and refusing to be with someone usually is not a good recipe for showing them why they should want to turn and live life God's way. So uh, two quick questions that are kind of on the same vein. One of them is if your child was homosexual, would you go to their wedding? Uh, I'm going to point out that I believe this should be in an individual uh, situation. I know when the issue was larger, uh, well, it was newer. Let's say when it was newer, um, basically Christians believed that they were not allowed to go to homosexual weddings. They were somehow condoning that. Well, uh, the truth is uh, many of us don't think twice about going to the wedding of a friend who is having their second marriage and their first marriage was not biblically separated. And so if we have no problem going to that wedding, why do we have a problem going to the homosexual wedding? Why do we have a problem going uh, to a party, a lavish party with filet mignon on the grill thrown by a friend of yours who it was what should have gone to God that they used to buy the filet mignon? And you don't say, well, wait a minute, since you don't honor God with your finances and since you keep that for yourself and you're going to spend that throwing this lavish party that you're inviting me to, do you understand what I'm saying? Man, we picked that one thing. Like, I'll help you spend your tithe on filet mignon. I'll even eat it. Come on, I'll come to that party. That's awesome. Yeah, you can even pay for me. Oh, I've got a free vacation with a friend of mine. They're paying for everything. Uh, And we don't have a problem with that, but we have a problem participating. Uh, And so, uh, look, I think you've got to decide for yourself. Um, And you've got to be able to have a conversation that might say, Uh, to them, look, you know where I stand. You know what the Bible says. I believe the Bible. I believe God loves you. I believe that this is not the right path for you, but I love you. Uh, And because of whatever your role is in their life, I'm going to leave that to, you've got to follow your individual conviction, but I don't think that it's fair uh, to say that a homosexual wedding is something we should stay away from, but we can go to uh, all sorts of other parties that have some sort of unscriptural basis to it. So, And the second one, do you perform same-sex marriages? I do not, but that is not the only kind of marriage I don't perform. Uh, scripture also says that a, a believer and an unbeliever shouldn't be married, so one of the first questions I ask in premarital counseling is uh, their story of salvation. And if I find that one of them is not a believer, I won't do that wedding. Um, if they don't have biblical grounds for the ending of their first marriage, I won't do their second marriage. So um, I don't pick on homosexuals any more uh, than anything else that I see a violated in Scripture. And um, I don't know if people are happier with me or not at that point. That's, that's like, uh, you know, one uh, thing that I think is really important to touch on is the phrase that is, well, God made me this way. God created me this way. That's really big in our culture. And so as you talk to someone, um, I believe when this issue was newer, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, whenever it was that it really began to hit the the Christian world and we began to have to talk about it, um, everybody said, no, that's not right. 
You are only homosexual through abuse. You've, only, you've had an event happen to you. You're, you've become deceived or whatever as though something turned. Uh, I don't think that's accurate. What I do think happens is people are born that way. But before you run for the door, hear my words. People are born that way. People are not created by God that way. You see, we are all born with a sin nature. We are all born with desires that do not line up with Scripture. It's called our fallen nature. And I know what I just said is not popular um, with many people on both sides of the fence. I do believe that we are all born with a fallen nature. And so I believe that every day we have to overcome that. I have really not met many men or women even these days who say, yeah, I don't have a lust problem. Pornography has never been an issue. When pretty people walk in front of me, it just doesn't even faze me. That is not a story I've ever heard. Um, every man I know has to deal with what uh, comes before his eyes. Um, many people have to deal with their, their, their greed. Many people have to deal with whatever. So I do believe that we're all born with a corrupt nature that we have to take to God and choose to surrender to him. Um, but I, I just think we need to be very careful in the difference between are we born this way and are we created by God this way. I think there are two differences there. So um, if, if I haven't, like... Uh, drowned myself uh, yet. Um, we're going to move on because, like I said, we, that was the outside of heaven and hell. That was the biggest topic that we addressed, and, and we've only got time for this one more question before we leave today, and that's an observation someone made about churches in the Bible Belt. So here we go. Uh, it says, since moving to Columbia, we've noticed how big and beautiful the churches are, and uh, to see so many going to worship on Sunday, but on other days, we noticed they were closed and no one was serving the poor or homeless. And we only found one parish downtown open with a line for the homeless to get a meal. How is Grace Life going to be different from every other church in Columbia towards the needy, the homeless, and the transitioning vets? Are you going to be just another church with its doors closed on the other days? Uh, it, it's possible we'll be just another church with its doors closed on other days because uh, whoever's asking this question, the first thing I want to, to do is we, you and I, uh, we need to redefine what the word church means. Um, several years ago, we started talking about building a building, and this is a building. The church is people. Uh, so for instance, this coming week for Thanksgiving, we are going to feed about 700 people, a little over 120-something families. We gave out most of those bags last week. If you didn't get one, I believe we still have just 20 or 21 bags left. You can pick one up in the lobby at the end of the service. But the point is we're going to do that individually by getting those meals and taking them to their homes. We're not going to open these doors and have a line going outside. We also went to a neighborhood this summer when, during our summer of serve uh, where we went to a neighborhood where we knew those children usually only eat during school free lunch. Matter of fact, we participate in what's called a backpack program that gives those kids a backpack full of food on Friday afternoon because we know they will only eat the free food given to them at school and we don't want them to starve over the weekend. And so we went back to one of those neighborhoods and we were there four days a week, I believe, six weeks out of the summer, uh, doing uh, activities with them and feeding them. So I just want to encourage you, please do not judge what Grace Life is doing in our community by what you see in our parking lot. This is a building. You are the church. And, and we, yeah. So that's, that's what I'm going to say about that. And, and uh, man, that was fun. That was, doesn't this go by so fast? 
I could do this for like another hour, but we are definitely out of time today. I know when we're ending, we're ending a little different. People are heading for the door. The worship team is coming back out, so hold your seats as the couches move. And we've got one more week of Q&A next week. Hope to see you guys then. We want to thank you so much for joining us today during our Q&A series. These sessions will be online for you to watch again or share with others. Visit our message archive online or on our app at gracelife.church. And check out our YouTube channel by searching Grace Life Church Columbia. Our desire is to give you online content that will help you know God and grow spiritually. Thank you so much for being a part of today's service. And we hope to see you again next week. We talked at length today about what does God think? What God thinks matters more than what we think. You see, we have a perfectly holy God in heaven and well, the reality is we're not. But the good news is God loves us so much and he knows that we could never make our way to that perfect holiness on our own, that he sent his son to die for us because the perfect life lived by Jesus allowed him to pay for our sins. And so what we have the opportunity to do is to recognize that Jesus died for us and now we want to live for him. Some people call this making him your Lord and Savior. I like to use the word king because it reminds us that it's not just about getting into heaven, but it's about being in his kingdom, being one of his children and letting him begin to talk to me about how my life should be. If you've never made Jesus your king, if you've never acknowledged what he's done for you on the cross, I want to help you do that right now. And the good news is I'm not going to embarrass you. You don't have to even leave your seat. But right where you're seated, I'm going to lead you in a conversation. Would you all join me in pray? Say something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And now I want to live for you. I thank you for your love your mercy, and your forgiveness. And my simple prayer today is that you would give me a life of great meaning and great purpose in your kingdom. Amen. Let's celebrate with those people. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's the best decision you'll ever make. If you've been impacted in any way, we'd love to hear about it. Head over to gracelife.church resources where you can share your story and find other tools for following Jesus. If you have any questions or want to know more about us, you can always check us out online by going to gracelife.church. We would love for you to stay connected throughout your week and everywhere you go with the gracelife.church app. It's free and available wherever you download apps. We hope you go out and make Jesus famous in your world.